Welcome to the Grace Baptist Church podcast, and thanks for joining us for this episode. Before we begin, please take a moment to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you enjoy this content, please don't hesitate to leave us a five-star review and share this podcast with your friends. We'd like to extend an invitation to you and your family to join us for worship this week at Grace Baptist Church. We'd also love to connect with you online at gracekettering.org. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy the episode. Matthew chapter number three and verse number 13 is where we're going to begin reading. Matthew chapter number three and verse number 13. I'm glad that you are here this morning. Are you? All right. Can we stay awake through the, through the message? Say, Pastor, as long as you stay awake, I'll stay awake. How about that? Matthew 3 and verse number 13. Then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John, that's John the Baptist, different from the disciple John, to be baptized of him. But John forbade him, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee. And comest thou to me? Now just remember what's going on here is John has been out in the wilderness preparing the way for the Lord. He's preparing the way by calling the people to change their thinking, to repent about their own ways, their their law-keeping, and to prepare their hearts for the Lord. And they would do this by a baptism unto repentance. That was John's baptism. It was different than believer's baptism. And the Bible speaks about that as a baptism unto repentance, as a preparatory baptism. We do not continue to uh, uh, to use John's baptism. In fact, we find in Acts chapter, I believe it's 18, there were some that were still baptizing with John's baptism, and Paul straightened that all out. So we, we observe believer's baptism uh, in identification and following Jesus Christ. So as Jesus comes and says, I need to be baptized, what was this all about? Later in other places, this isn't the point of the message, but later in other places, the Bible says that Jesus did this to fulfill all righteousness. And so let's look at verse number 15 where he says exactly that. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Suffer it, or allow it, to be so now. For thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he suffered him, he allowed him. And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water. And lo, the heavens were opened unto him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. And I want us to read verse number 17 together. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Let's turn over quickly uh, to Matthew chapter 17 and verse number 5. This is on the Mount of Transfiguration. There's a couple of disciples up there, Peter, James, and uh, John, his brother. And it says there in verse number 2, and was transfigured before them, Matthew 17, and his face did shine as the sun, and his raiment was white as the light. And behold, there appeared unto them Moses and Elias, talking with him. Then Peter and uh, uh, Peter answered Peter and said unto Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. This is a great time. If thou wilt, let us make the uh, three tabernacles, one for thee and one for Moses and one for Elias. While he yet spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and behold, behold, a voice out of the cloud which said, let's read together, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased, hear ye him. I want us to realize that there was an interaction here between God the Father and God the Son that is is really powerful and really important for us to take notice of on this Father's Day. And so let's be seated and I'm going to pray. Father, thank you for this opportunity to join together today. Thank you for your love for us. Thank you for your care. Thank you for your revelation of how you interacted with God the Son. And now, Lord, we want to learn from that interaction. We want to gain encouragement. We want to gain inspiration from it. And so, Lord, I ask that you would fill me with your spirit and that you would enable me to speak. I pray that you would enable all of us to receive your truth, illuminate our hearts and our minds, uh, refresh us today. 
And Lord, you know how diligently uh, this congregation has worked. Lord, you know that they, they just need a word from you, not from me, but a word from you. And so I pray that uh, you, would, you would take your word and that you would give what is needed today. Thank you for the sweet spirit of fellowship that's here. Thank you for all that you've done. Lord, we give you praise. We want to continue to follow after you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So back there at Matthew chapter number 3, we do find the, the, uh, the baptism of, of Jesus Christ. This is a significant event, as we have noticed. And we see that there is a, an interaction between God the Father and God the Son. You cannot under, underscore the importance the importance of fatherhood. You can't under, underscore or understate how vital the influence of fathers are. And we see, even here in this interaction, how important uh, fatherhood is in, in, in our God, on God the Father. The Bible tells us, Ephesians 4 and verse no, uh, 6 and verse number 4, that fathers are not to provoke their children to wrath, but they are to raise them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. It is not first the church's responsibility to raise children or to teach them the way of God. It is first and foremost the responsibility of the pastor. In fact, the church comes alongside as a body of believers to, to undergird that. And certainly in cases like Timothy, where there was an absent father, the church needed to step up and needed to surround a Timothy, just like it does today, the older men teaching the younger men. But all to say... The importance of fatherhood should not be understated. We all um, can think of our, our fathers and how much they influenced our lives. And perhaps I'm speaking to some today that might have fathers who uh, were not such a good influence or were absent. And the, 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 the devastation of that is very, very real. I want us to realize statistics show that when a father comes to Christ first, that 93% of the family will follow. When the mom comes to Christ first, 17% of the families will follow. And if the children come to Christ first, only 3.5% of the families will follow. So let's notice this significant interaction between Jesus Christ and, and, uh, and his heavenly father. God doesn't put anything in the Bible by accident. Do you agree with me about that? Not one thing. And this interaction between Jesus and his father is important for us to know, so important that God put it in three Gospels. And he also did the same interaction with him at the Mount of Transfiguration when, they were, when Peter, James, and John were saying, hey, we ought we to stay up here. We ought to just stay here. We ought we to camp out here and enjoy this all to ourselves. And by the way, that would have been a subversion of the redemptive plan. That would have been a detour from the redemptive plan to stay there up in the mountain. The whole point in Jesus Christ's coming was to seek and to save that which was lost. It was to go to the lost world and to redeem them through the cross. And so understand that as Jesus is there and hearing these words, everyone around them is hearing these words as well. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. I want you to notice that Jesus, first of all, was publicly declared by his father as his son. He was publicly declared. He says, this is my beloved son. Say that with me. This is my beloved son. And how important it is to realize that the, the encouragement that comes from just the public declaration, the public claiming of a child as one's son. During the inter-biblical um, period, those 400 years between the Old Testament and the New Testament, the rabbis would teach that if something was to be said of God, he would come with a voice from heaven. And I want us to know that God broke open the New Testament by giving a voice from heaven declaring in front of a crowd of Jewish individuals that had been gathering and following John through the wilderness. He declared, this is my beloved son. I am publicly declaring him as my son, as equal with me. The Bible says in Psalm 2 and verse number 7, I will declare the decree. I will declare the decree the Lord hath said unto me, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. This day have I begotten thee. And I want us to realize even back in the Psalms, God used the Psalms to underscore the reality to prophesy that Jesus would one day come and that God the Father would declare him as his very own son. Understand back in that day that uh, claiming to be son was to make yourself equal with. 
had equal standing. And so as he's declaring uh, his sonship, he's also declaring the reality that this is God with us. What does Matthew 123 say? Behold, a virgin shall conceive and be with child, and, he sh uh, and, and his name shall be Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us, God with us. And so here we have it that God publicly declares Jesus as his son. That was needful. That was needful there in, the front of the, in front of those witnesses. It's needful for us to hear it today. People wonder, and even over the past couple of weeks, we've witnessed to people that do not believe in the deity of Jesus Christ. God thought it so important that two times in the Gospels, in uh, 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 two different events, three, on three different Gospels, he said, this is my beloved son. This is my son. I'm declaring who he is, and we can take God's word on it. He never, ever lies. Mark and Luke specifically say, put it in, in another way, as God directly talking to Jesus, thou art my beloved son. Thou art my beloved son. What a reassuring thing to say. And fathers, may I just encourage you, what a reassuring thing to say and reiterate to your children. Thou art my son. You are my son. You are my daughter. I claim you. I declare you as, as my own. And, the newly, and newly declaring Jesus to be his son in the wake of his baptism, God ratifies all that Matthew 1 and 2, all the genealogies, uh, that Jesus as the Davidic um, Messiah and the King of the Jews. He's saying, I approve this one. He's not just, uh, just any person walking on the face of the earth and making radical claims. He is my son. Now, it is against the son, this very son, that the kings and the rulers of the earth would rage. In fact, if you go back to um, uh, Psalm chapter 2 in verse number 1, the Bible asks this question, why do the heathen rage? And um, people imagine a vain thing. The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointing, uh, anointed saying. And so there is a raging that comes against the sun. We've seen that in his day. We see that in our day. There was good reason in his day. Do you realize that on some of the coinage, of, of Caesar, and specifically one of the Caesars, that on the coins it was stamped, Son of the Divine. Son of the Divine. Realize there was a, 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 a cultish worship of the Caesars. And so one of the, on the Caesars uh, simply had to put on the coin his, his title, Son of the Divine. So literally there was a bit of a a bit of a squaring off between God Almighty and the Roman government who declared, hey, no, this is the son of the divine. And Jesus says, nope, this. This is my son. This is the son of the divine. This is the real son. And oftentimes we have to understand how that Jesus, when we allow him to be who he is, governments will oppose him. Kings will oppose him because they cannot have all the power that they want and still submit to him and still allow his worship to go on. We're watching that in America, my friends. We're watching the, the further hatred against Jesus Christ, who is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And whether it's, a, whether it's a Republican or a Democrat, it matters not. They must submit themselves to the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's, that's, not, that's not calling for a theocracy. That is simply calling all men to bow the knee, and they one day will. Every knee is going to bow to this, this the son, and they're going to kiss the son. And so he says, this is my beloved son. This is the son of the Most High. This is the son of God. John 5 and verse number 18. The Bible says, therefore, the Jews sought the more to kill him, because they not only had broken the Sabbath, but uh, said also that God was his father making himself, catch it, equal with God. So when he said, I'm, I'm a son... Uh, he, they understood. They took that. He's equal. He's equal, and that's why they tried to kill him, and that happened multiple times. So Jesus is fully accepted and fully declared as the Son of God. Yet he's also loved unconditionally. Notice how the Bible says, this is my, what is it? Beloved Son. Beloved. Beloved as in dearly loved, cherished, preferred above all others, treated with, with partiality. The idea is, is agape love, a sacrificial, unconditional love, an unrestrained love towards a son. What a beautiful thing for a father to say to a son, I love you. You're my beloved son. 
unconditionally, I love you. On your worst day, I love you. On your best day, I love you. And Jesus had no worst days. Jesus was perfectly, Jesus was perfectly, uh, uh, he, he deserved completely the love of the Father because he was perfect. You and I, we, we struggle with that, but he was, he was perfect and certainly uh, um, deserved that love. And the reality is that he was loved of the Father unconditionally. The words in Greek, as it, as it kind of uh, lists out in, in order, would be like this. As for you, you are my son, the beloved one. Very, very specific, the beloved one. I love you. I love you. One author said this particular word for love here is agape love. Is You're familiar with that being Christ-like love, which the classics spoke of as a love out of one's heart, by the preciousness of the object loved, because of the preciousness of the object loved. The Son of God is infinitely precious to the Father. This love is called out of the Father's heart by the preciousness of the Son. Jesus is altogether lovely. In fact, if you read through the Song of Solomon, do you realize, do you realize he is presented as, as, the, as the groom, the bridegroom, as the altogether lovely one? And he certainly is that. But here, the love of the Father towards him, he is loved because he is so very precious. And I want us to know, not only was he publicly declared, he's also unconditionally loved. Number three, Jesus was completely pleasing in whom I'm well pleased in verse number 17. He says that also at the transfiguration, in whom I am well pleased. What reassuring words to a son to hear, you please me. I'm pleased with that. I'm grateful for that. I'm, I'm pleased. The idea of taking delight, to take a high degree of pleasure, mental satisfaction, and the idea is that God was pleased with what the Son was doing and all that the Son was, was following through on. Remember, he said that I only do the will of the Father. My meat is to do the will of the Father. I, all I live for, Jesus said, is to do what, what pleases the Father. And so the father says to his son as he is, he is initiating his public ministry, uh, and three years from, from around this point, he would be going to the cross to die for the sins of mankind and to carry out love's redemptive plan. The father looks at him and says, I am well pleased. I am well pleased with this. I am pleased with the, with the son. The language implies, as one author said, that he is constantly and uniformly well pleased with him. And in this solemn and public manner, he expressed his approval of him as the redeemer of the world. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. I'm grateful this interaction happened. I'm grateful for the reality that, that this happened at the baptism and that we get to see this. God saying, this is my son. He's here for you. He's here for you. And it would be through the Lord Jesus Christ and all that he was doing there that you and I would be able to be sons of God as well, Jesus had come to carry out his redemptive plan, and that pleased the Father. In fact, that was prophesied in Isaiah chapter number 42. The suffering servant, if you read through Isaiah, you'll find some of these, uh, these passages of Scripture, these chapters of Scripture that deal with the suffering servant and prophesying Jesus Christ. Behold my servant, whom I uphold, mine elect in whom my soul, notice, delighteth. It's pleased. I've put my spirit upon him. He shall bring forth judgment to the Gentiles. Peter himself, after seeing this at the Mount of Transfiguration, he says in Second uh, Peter 1.17, For he received from, the, um, from God the Father honor and glory. When there was such a voice to him from the excellent glory, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. That had stuck in Peter's mind, and as he's writing to other believers, he's saying, hey, Jesus received honor and glory from the Father. He was lifted up. He was exalted. This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well, well pleased. Even in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus stopped and he said, Father, if, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Is there any other way for your plan, for your plan for mankind to be accomplished. Is there any other way? Then he said, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And again, the Father is very, very pleased. Jesus always did what pleased the Father. John 8 and verse number 29, and he, uh, he that sent me is with me. The Father hath not left me alone, 
for I do always those things that please him. I do always those things that please him. May that be our testimony and goal. We're not perfect, are we? Anyone per- perfect? We're not perfect. We struggle. But friends, that ought to be our goal, to always do what pleases the Father, always doing it as Jesus did it. All this was known by Jesus. Jesus knew that he pleased the Father. Jesus knew that he was his beloved son. But God spoke this from the clouds for those standing by. He spoke it for the the unbelieving Jews there on the Mount of Transfiguration. He spoke it for the disciples there. And he put it in the words of Scripture, in the pages of Scripture, for you and I. This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. We can learn a lot from the interaction between the Heavenly Father and God the Son. We can learn a lot about what a father should be and even our own standing with the Heavenly Father. And that's really what I want to encourage us with today. If you're going to be a great father, it's not going to be by you looking to somebody else and and getting a self-help book, but realizing first your own standing with your Heavenly Father and then living that out to your children and living that out. And that's not just the children still at home. Friends, you're a father till the day that you die and beyond, right? Your legacy lives on. And how important it is to live that out even to your adult children. And I realize some of you carry enormous burdens for adult children. Keep living out. Keep living out what the Father, your Heavenly Father, is to you. And let's notice that. Not only here a significant interaction between God the Father and God the Son, but a stunning invitation to you and I. I want you to turn over to 1 John chapter 3 and verse number 1. 1 John 3 and verse number 1. I'd like you to turn there in your Bible so that we can see this whole passage. 1 John chapter 3 and verse number 1. Because John, who was standing by, heard these, vo- on these words from, from the Heavenly Father, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased, also wrote to believers like you and I to give us confidence in our relationship and our fellowship with God the Father. He wanted us to have that. He wanted us to know for certain that we are saved and that we have a home in heaven that will not be rejected, but that we are accepted in the beloved and that we can have the assurance of our salvation. He writes in 1 John chapter 3 and verse number 1. Are you there? Behold, let's read it together. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God, Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Do you realize that just as the Father declared the Son publicly to be his Son? We say, well, yeah, that's Jesus. Certainly we understand that he deserved it. But me? Friends, do you realize that if you've placed faith in Jesus Christ, that God declares you to be his child? He declares it. In the same way he publicly declared it there at the baptism for God the Son, he declares, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be, what is it? Called the sons of God. Called the daughter of God. Now, I don't know where you think you are in your relationship with God. If you put it on a scale of 1 to 10, where you think you are. But friends, it does not negate if you've placed your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ, you are a child of the King. You are a child. You are joint heirs with Christ. You belong to him, and he declares that. That is something that he says about you. You are called a child or a son of God to become designated as that. Uh, This is your state. This is who you are, not who you one day will be. Sometimes I, I talk to people after they've come to Christ. They say, well, one day I'll have eternal life. No, this is what you have right now. And the same reality is what you are. The moment you place faith in Jesus Christ, you become a child of God. And what a beautiful thing that that is. The, the Bible says in John chapter 3, Marvel not, ye must be born again. You must be born in the family of God. The moment you place faith in Jesus Christ, you're born in the family of God. Believers are called children of God because they are born ones. They're born ones. Of the Father. The Bible says in 1 Peter 1 and verse 23, being born again, not of corruptible seed, 
but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. You are born ones of God if you've placed faith in Jesus Christ. I hope that you have today. If you've not, today's the day of salvation, and I encourage that. Recently, I was with a pastor friend. I, I was staying in their church lobby. Um, I was at a funeral. I was at, up at Faith Baptist, and the Nortons had uh, just... Um, we're just in the, the final stages of adopting um, three children, three little girls. And uh, so I was, I was conversating and, and getting to know these, these three little ones, and they're, they're young. And, and so uh, it was really, really sweet. And I'll remember this for a while. But uh, they were asking me my name and my last name. And uh, so I was sharing, with, uh, sharing them with that. And they're like, that's a big name, Kagan. That's a big name. Well, theirs has the same amount of letters, but anyway, or, or, or close to it. Um, but anyway, and then, they, and then this little girl goes, and I, I, I forget which one it was, but this little girl goes, and my last name is Norton. And I'm telling you, what a heart-melting moment. Because they hadn't finalized it all, but that, this is something that she, it was going to be finalized in just a little bit, that she knew. And her dad, her new dad, is standing there, Brother Paul is standing there, and what, what an encouraging thing to be able to know. I'm a Norton. Friends, we're a child of God. And that's not something we come up with, that's something God says about us. And if you are going to be a good father to your children, you've got to have this, this unhindered relationship here you got to know where you stand with God. I find that if there's frustration in my relationship with God, there's going to be frustration in my relationship with everyone around me. Are you with me about that? There's, there's turmoil in it. But if I'm at peace with my Heavenly Father, I'm walking in the light of His love, it changes everything. It changes the dynamics of all my relationships. It changes the dynamics with my children. Now, if, if you're real with, with me, the reality is we get turmoil in our relationship with God. We don't rest. We don't, we don't cast all of our care upon him. And so we, we begin to struggle otherwise. But what a blessing it is to know I'm called, just like Jesus was, I'm called a child of the king. I'm called a son of God. What a huge encouragement to our hearts. John 1 and verse number 12, a wonderful verse to use when you're witnessing to other people. But as many as received him. To them gave he the power. Do you recognize this? The power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Do you realize that, that God gives you the power or the authority, the right to be called a child of God? So it's not that you're just picking up something. Have you ever met an impersonator, someone that likes to impersonate maybe um, police officers or something like that, or they like to impersonate someone? They pick up a title. But we're not impersonators, friends. We're the real deal. When you place faith, when you receive Jesus Christ, and he says, and that happens by believing on his name, trusting on his name. When we believe on him in that way, we become and we have the right to be called. We have the right to be sons of God. It isn't something that is, is going to be taken away from us. This is, our, this is our, our legal right before our Heavenly Father to be called a child of God. That encourages my soul. All those who receive Jesus Christ by faith, the Father gladly declares. Some of you mothers, once in a while, when your children are giving you a difficult time, you say to dad, your, your son is on my last nerve. Right? Isn't that how that goes? Your son. Well, that's funny and that gives us a chuckle. God never does that with us. He claims us completely on our best day and our, bad, uh, uh, and our worst days. Aren't you thankful for that? There's some times where we've been, we've been like that. Your son, you know, we, we've acted that way. But our Father, even in those moments, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter number 12, that whom he loves, he chastens. 
He goes after and he brings back to himself. He cares for them and he helps them along. Romans 8 and verse number 16, the Spirit beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Over and over, God wants you to know, I've declared you, I've publicly declared you, you are mine. You place faith in my son, you are mine. You belong to me. Isn't that good? Praise the Lord. I don't know if it's good to you, but it's good to me. I'm thankful for that. We are declared sons of God, but we're also, just like Jesus, unconditionally loved. The Father loves you, friends. He loves you very, very much. One of the thoughts that men and women will struggle with is, I'm unlovely. I'm unworthy of God's love. Well, we might be unworthy of God's love. He still loves us. Behold, let's say it out loud together. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us. Behold. Do you realize John is writing to these believers and he says, I want you to listen. I want you to pay attention. I want you to grasp this. I want you to perceive this. I want you to look at this. I want you to realize the love the Father has for you. In fact, Ephesians 1 and verse number 5 says, having predestinated. Predestination always has to do with us being conformed to the image of God, the image of Christ, predestinated us unto the adoption of of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us, now catch this, accepted in the beloved. Was Jesus always beloved? This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Yes. Do you realize you had the same standing? Positionally, you have the same standing. You are accepted. You're welcomed into the beloved through Jesus Christ. That's an amazing thing, friend. There is never a day you're not loved. There is never a day that God does not love you. My, what a good God that we have. He's accepted us into the beloved. It's the same beloved, that, that, that sacrificial agape love. Now, do we, do we test that love? Do we try that love? Do we, do we uh, sometimes spurn that love? Yeah, unfortunately. We don't act the best. We don't make the right choices. But his love's unconditional to you. You've been accepted. You've been accepted, friends, in the beloved. Wow. Remember that. Remember that when you've blown it. Remember that that's the God, that's the Father that you have. And friends, by the way, that's the way that we ought to be towards our children. In other words, well, they might blow it, and we might have to chasten them. We might have to go after them. Uh, the reality is they should always be loved. Are you with me? They should always be loved. They should have confidence in that. But friends, if you don't have confidence in your Heavenly Father's love, it's going to be hard to give that love towards your children. So we're accepted in the beloved. We are unconditionally loved, the the Father says. Let's go on with this, this thought, though. The love between the Father and the Son, while incomparable, it's not exclusive, one author said. It's It is love for the fallen world that causes the Father to send His Son upon His mission. And the Son goes to the cross because He loves the sinners He came to save. And here's what's amazing. God loves the Son. And yet He loved you as sinners so much. You and I as sinners so much. The Bible says, for God, say it with me, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. This is radical love. This is love that pursues a lost world that is against him. We do not deserve this love. The son does. But God took his beloved son and he sent him to earth and he said, and you're coming to earth, you please me. You please me because you're going after my creation that it created for a relationship with me. And I want them back so very much, I'm willing to give my very own beloved son to die on the cross for their sins so they can be my beloved sons as well, my sons and daughters. What a father, what a redemption, what a plan that he has created for us. Romans 8, 32, he spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. And here's the question, how shall he not with him also give us freely all things. What is God going to withhold from you? What need do you have that God is going to withhold from you? What spiritual victory is God going to not help you with? He gave already his own son 
who he loved dearly on your behalf. He's going to love you in the same way. He's going to care for your needs. 1 John 4 and verse number 9, And this was manifest, the love of God toward us, because God sent his only Son into the world that we might live through him. Say, I don't feel like God loves me. He's already proven it at the cross, friends. The cross is enough to declare forever and for all of eternity, God loves you. And just to prove it over and over and over again throughout all of eternity, his nail-pierced hands, his side, his feet, will still bear those marks. I love you. I love you. And I guarantee you we'll worship him for all of eternity for that. There's no doubt. There's no doubt that God loves us and there's no need for you to doubt the love of God. Satan wants you to doubt the love of God. Friends, it's going to be very hard for you and I to be great fathers to our children and to love them if I'm not even assured of my father's love. He loves you, guys. He loves you. And I know sometimes as guys, you don't want to be emotional and, and don't want to get off in that. You want to be very logical and you know, just kind of cut and dry. But the reality is, you are loved. You are loved right where you are right now. You say, Pastor, I'm struggling right now. My walk with God isn't what it needs to be. Okay. You're loved. You're accepted in the beloved. God's not looking across this auditorium and says, well, I have this guy over here. You know, he, he, I love him. And this guy, I, I'm going to love him 75%. No, you're accepted in the beloved. You've placed faith in Jesus Christ. You're accepted. We should live up to that. We should follow after that. That should move us to obey him. The Bible does say, if, if you love me, keep my commandments. The Bible speaks to that. There is some responsibility. But the reality is, positionally, you and I are declared, declared as sons, and we're unconditionally loved. I love what, when I survey the wondrous cross, the third verse goes, see from his head. His hands, his feet, catch it, sorrow and love flow mingled down. Did e'er such love and sorrow meet, or thorns compose so rich a crown? All that we need to do when wondering if we're loved is look at the cross. The Father loves you. The Father loves you. Whether you're a man or woman here today, it matters not. The Father loves you. We're talking in the language of sons and and, and dads, the father loves you as his daughter. The father loves you as his son. Praise the Lord. You're declared. You're loved. But you're also pleasing to the father. Do you know that before Christ you couldn't please God? Even the plowing of the wicked is sin. Now, he sends blessing. The rain falls on the just and the unjust. And so the lost will receive bless, the blessings of God along with the, the righteous. In fact, sometimes that happened even in Egypt. That happened in, in different places uh, throughout the Bible, different, different stories where it was the blessing of God upon the children of God and the lost people uh, got to the benefit from that. But the reality is before Christ, you and I couldn't please him. Romans 8 and verse number 8, so then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Cannot. You say, Pastor, sometimes I feel like I can't please God. The reality is, you and I are pleasing in the same way to God as Jesus Christ was, and here's how, in two ways. He says it in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 21, for after that, in the wisdom of God, uh, 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 wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God, notice this, it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. It pleased God. This is the same language, the same wording that is used when, when it's said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased, that this pleases the Father. Do you know that bringing you to salvation pleases the Father? He is pleased when you come by hearing the word of God. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. He is pleased when you come to him in salvation. Your salvation pleases, pleases the Father. This is, this is the, the conclusion or this is what the whole redemptive plan is all about. It pleases the Father, but not only your salvation, 
You being saved pleases the Father, but your sanctification pleases the Father. And notice from the testimony of the Apostle Paul, Galatians 1 and 15, but when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace, then notice, to reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the Gentiles. Immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood. So not only is our salvation on what pleases the Father, but also our sanctification. Paul says he separated me. It pleased God when he separated me to reveal his son in me. That's what sanctification is. You and I being set apart more and more to look like Jesus Christ becoming more and more shaped into the image of God. And Paul says, it pleased God when he's able to reveal Jesus Christ in me. Do you know what? You and I, we please God in our salvation, but we also please God every single day as we allow him to do this work of sanctification to reveal Jesus Christ in us. Many times that doesn't happen without trials, afflictions, problems, struggles, but the reality is, you and I, as we allow Jesus Christ to be revealed in us, this is very pleasing to God. There's a practical reality to this. Yes, positionally, we, because we're in Christ, we have pleased the Father. The same thing that he said to Jesus Christ, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. In Christ, that's our positional reality. There's a practical reality to that. You and I need to live from that. We need to live that out. We need to walk each day to please the Heavenly Father. And how do we do that? By doing his will. If you love me, keep my commandments. Uh, please him by doing his will. Just like Jesus says, I do always the things that please the Father. Colossians 1.10, that you might walk worthy of the Lord, Paul prayed for the Colossian believers, unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. How do you please the Father in a practical way today? Walk worthy of Jesus Christ. Walk in balance with Jesus Christ. That's what the idea is that your life balances out with what is revealed about Jesus Christ, uh, growing in the knowledge of, of Christ, growing in the knowledge God pleases him. 1 Thessalonians 4 and verse number 1, Furthermore, then we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus Christ, that as ye have received of us how ye ought to walk and to please God, so ye would abound more and more. You've heard the word of God? I've told you how to walk with God. I've told you how to please God. Abound in this. Abound in this. Walk this out. Live this out. So how do we please the, on the Lord practically? At salvation, positionally, you and I, this is my beloved son who I'm, in whom I'm well pleased. Practically, on a daily basis, walk worthy of him. Listen to what he has to say. Walk that path. And friends, you and I need to put that into practice every single day. As we live like Jesus, we are pleasing to the Father. 1 John 4 and verse uh, 3 and verse number 2. Go back to this passage with me. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. And it doth not appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. In verse number 3, let's read it out loud together. And every man that hath this hope in him, in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. As you and I allow the Holy Spirit to change us into the image of the Lord Jesus Christ, you and I please the Father. Friends, the reason I'm bringing this message today is because you and I can look to one another and we can get discouraged. Well, I'm not as good a father as that person. Have you ever met the father? They, they're always doing the nice things. They're, uh, they, they always have the good ideas. They're very conscientious, and you look at them, I could never be a father like that. Don't, don't compare yourselves among yourselves. That's not wise. Get your eyes on your heavenly father, who is the perfect father, and he demonstrated that uh, in his interaction with his son, and he invites you through the, through the words of 1 John chapter 3, behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that you and I should be called the sons of God. He wants you to look at this love. And friends, when you gaze long and hard at the love of, of your heavenly Father, I guarantee you it will change the way that you father. It will change you. You'll grow into that image. He wants that for you. Let's finish up with Romans 8 and verse number 15. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again unto fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father, or Daddy, Father. I want us to realize that 
biblical adoption isn't the same as our adoption today. You and I are born again into the family of God. Amen? All right? We're not adopted and just, you know, like left, you know, parts of our old life is left. No, it, w- those that are in Christ were made new creatures. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. What adoption is in the Bible is coming into all the rights of sonship. So a young man, he was under tutors, you know, uh, one to about somewhere around the age of 10, maybe a little bit older. He's under tutors and governors, nannies. But there was a day that he received the full rights, the full rights of sonship, the full rights of the inheritance that was coming to him. He received all the rights of sonship as a father, as well as all the burdens of that. The blessings, the burdens of that, he received it all at a certain point. And what the Bible says when you and I have received the spirit of adoption that, that God has given us at the moment of salvation, this is all our reality, that he's given us, he's given us this adoption, the, the, full, the full standing as a son. In fact, the Bible says that you and I are joint heirs with Jesus Christ, that everything that Jesus has in the Father, you have too. And that's why I can say with boldness and with, uh, without doubt This is my beloved son. This is my beloved daughter in whom I am well pleased. This is what God thinks of you and I. It's an amazing thing. You and I have received that. It's all the spirit of uh, adoption. He wants us to know that you have that that right and whereby we can cry, Abba, Father. And every day, every day, God wants you to walk in that relationship. He wants you to thrive in that relationship. And if you'll thrive in that relationship and enjoy that relationship, it'll affect the relationship with your children. And I want to encourage you about that. Everything that Christ has, you have. He's declared a son. He's unconditionally loved. He's completely unpleasing to the Father. And so aren't, so aren't you. Mark 1 and verse number 11. Listen to how Mark puts it. Thou, thou art my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. It is a wonder that sinners like you and me could come into that standing. It is a marvel. And no wonder John writes in 1 John 3, 1, Behold what manner of love. How do you even grasp that kind of love? How do you, how do you think on that kind of love? How do you meditate on that kind of love? It's, it's unfathomable because every one of us know our shortcomings. Every one of us dads know our shortcomings as dads. And yet God says, this is, this is my love towards you. This is how I think towards you. Thou art my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Would you bow with me? This morning I'm simply inviting believers to take a moment and thank, thank your heavenly father for loving you so very much. He loves you. Maybe you're a guy here today and you just need to say, say it out loud to him. Thank you for loving me. I am so unlovely, but I, I believe, I accept that you love me. Sometimes I'm not very lovely to my children. Sometimes I'm not very lovely to those around me. But Father, thank you for loving me. not yet accepted Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. No one looking around, but I wonder is there anyone say, I don't know for certain that I've accepted this love of the Father. I haven't believed on Jesus Christ and I need to. Just raise your hand and put it back down. I believe I'm speaking to believers today how I encourage you to rest in the love of the Father.
thou art my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. stand together. Father, thank you for what you've shown us in your word today, and I pray that you would help us as we go and we fellowship together, that we just revel in your love, marvel in it. Lord, I pray that you'd encourage every single heart here today, and especially our dads. I pray that you would enable them, Lord, even with their grown children, to continue to show that same love that you've demonstrated towards us, and that you would help help us even in this, this coming year to see great victories in the lives of our children as we demonstrate your love and your care for us, your acceptance of us uh, to them. So thank you for allowing us to gather together today. We praise your name. We give you glory. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And God's people said, amen. Thank you for being together today and uh, uh, this afternoon right at 1230 um, or just around that time, we're gathering over Indian Riffle Park. And so I invite you all to come on over if you need to get changed or whatever you want to do. We'll be in a, a shelter over there. Um, we're going to fire up the grill and the charcoal grill over there, and we're going to have a good time. Just uh, come and chillax. And uh, there is no chillax. You know, there, that's a word, right? There is no service tonight. And I just encourage you to, to enjoy rest today and, uh, and recuperate. Thank you for serving the Lord so heartily this week. We uh, give God the praise for that. We'll see you over at the park. God bless you. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To learn more about Grace Baptist or how to have eternal life, visit gracekettering.org. And remember, you are always welcome at Grace Baptist Church.